are Locked On Spurs, your daily San Antonio Spurs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Spurs right here on the Locked On NBA Network. I am Jeff Garcia, your host for today. I'm also with the Spurs Zone and News for San Antonio and Fox29SanAntonio.com. Glad to have you back. Hope you had a relaxing and yet productive and, you know, hope you had a great Martin Luther King Day. And, uh, yeah, so what are we going to be talking about today? Well, the Spurs won, and they won big versus the uh, Blazers yesterday. Uh, Trounced them, put it away in the fourth quarter. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be diving into what they did right. Was there anything that really stood out? Are there any issues that are still persistent with this team as they begin their quick two-game West Coast trip? To do that and more, I am joined by two of the best in the business, Joe Garcia of Two Shots Podcast and Ty Yeager of At The Line Spurs Podcast. Gentlemen, welcome back to Lockdown Spurs. Thank you for inviting. It's always good to be a part of this uh, Locked on Spurs discussion, talking all things Spurs, especially with Ty and you. What's up, everyone? Yeah. I'm back. Ty's back, everybody. Yeah, Ty. At, and you know, I'm coming back after the episode that I did, so you guys know what I'm going to talk about. Oh, we know exactly what we're going to do. We're going to be uh, <laughs> hearing from Ty. Um, he's going to go to the defense of yeah, Lucas Samanic, right, Ty? Oh, uh, I wish. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> all right, well, let's dive into it. Look. The uh, Spurs started off their West Coast swing uh, in grand fashion, beating the Blazers 125-104, moving their record to 8-6, and six, a little bit of a two-game win streak here. Uh, Ty, when you look at yesterday's win, what stood out for you? Just all-around play looks great for this team. There were so many things that, was go- that were just going well for this team. The shooting was going well. The passing looked amazing. Scoring was coming from all over the place. Defense was on top of it. I felt like that... No one really had a bad game. Yeah, you might have got a few guys that had like not a great scoring game, but they still did so much on the other end of the floor. Just an all-around team effort. And surprisingly, the two the four guys that went got 20 or more points were all over the age of 30. And I think it was a great representation that this team can do can do so many different things that they have so many options that they can go to in terms of scoring, mm-hmm. in terms of leading the team. And I know some people don't care for the vets, but these types of games are what really help this Spurs team show that if the young guys aren't getting it, the veterans can do it and vice versa as well. So it's a good, it was a great all around game from this team and probably the best they've looked so far this season. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Rudy Gay after the game said that the mix is so great with this team, mix of young and veteran. Although Patty Mills did joke and he wanted to remind everybody, Ty, that he's part of the youth movement because he says, Hey, he's not that old. So, uh, but all kidding aside, yeah, the, the veterans, uh, DeMar DeRozan, 20 points. Marcus Aldridge, 22 points. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Mills and coming off the bench, 21 points. Rudy Gay, 21 points. The veterans definitely got it done. But, Joe, I'm going to go to you real fast. You look at the win. What stood out for you? The bench play. You know, I think the bench played stellar again. And that's one of the things that, that's kind of surprised me going back to the beginning of the season is, you know, how much production we've got out of, you know, not only Rudy Gay, but also Patty Mills. I mean, San Antonio's bench outscored, I mean, the, the Portland bench 59 to 25. But yeah. one of the things that did, you know, really stood out at me, even though this was a win, Jeff, was a turnover. San Antonio had 12, Portland had 13. We need to kind of mm-hmm. take better care of the ball, you know, against some of these better teams. We don't want to get into these uh, shootouts, you know, we can we can avoid it. Right. 
Uh, Ty, it did get a little uh, dicey at moments during the game versus the Blazers. The Blazers, uh, I, I believe the Spurs and the Blazers had like eight lead changes, so, uh, several ties. But the Spurs put it away in that fourth quarter. What stood out for you in that fourth when the Spurs put the hammer down? It just was not all around team play. And again, like I said, with it being an overall an overall team play, it, they just looked unstoppable. Having Jakob out there playing playing some of his best defense so far this season was ground grabbing every offensive board. He'd had a quiet first half and then suddenly in this kind of late in the third quarter, he started making a run and he just showed off in the fourth add on that Rudy Gay could not miss from three. As a result, the whole team, I want to say before, before garbage time, they were seven for eight from deep and they went, they started that off seven for seven. So this team was finding its scoring rhythm was putting down the hammer defensively against this, Mm -hmm. against this blazer team and then finding each other, giving each other open, amazing looks there was, I remember there was one play that the passing just looked amazing and it opened up Rudy for easy open three on the wing. And I was jumping for jumping for joy saying, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Rudy Gay, interesting though. Coming into the game versus the Blazers, he had gone over from the three line in the last two games versus Houston. And he comes in and drops five three-point makes on the Blazers. Great to see that um, well, shooting rebound from him coming off too bad. Uh, shooting nights uh, against Houston and Houston again. Uh, Joe, you look at that the last two games against Houston where there was a game they should not have lost. There is no way they should have lost that first game in Houston. Houston kept it close again in the second game, but the Spurs put the uh, Rockets away. Were you a little concerned about how the Spurs were going to play versus the Blazers coming off kind of a weak showing against the Rockets? And let's not forget an undermanned Rockets team. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. You know, when the Rockets uh, unloaded one James Harden, they were playing inspired basketball, you know, and the Spurs just didn't seem to match the energy, you know. And even though they're just, you know, a lot of not household names that you've never heard of before, uh, they still had some pretty good, you know, players out there uh, that were giving the Spurs a run for their money. But the Spurs were able to pull that out um, later in the, the second half. But going back into this game, it was a trap game. Because they're with, the Blazers are without C.J. McCollum, you know, so you're like on paper, hey, maybe the Spurs have a chance. But mm-hmm. that's the thing with this team is that we don't know which team is going to show up. There's been a lot of inconsistencies uh, coming, you know, from the San Antonio Spurs. And it all starts or stems from the defensive end. Today they played a lot better. And I think the Spurs play a lot better as Yaka Pertle plays a lot better because he looked like yeah. he was inspired out there. He was all over the place. You know, he was really getting after it. You could see that his energy was a lot better in this game. And you just want to see him do that consistently. And another thing I'd like to point out, too, one of the things that actually surprised me was I I saw LaMarcus Aldridge playing a little bit of defense out there. That was like, what? Where did this come from? You know, (laughs) that threw me for a loop. Yeah. Yeah, well, against his uh, former club, he definitely brings it. Last year in uh, three meetings with the Blazers, he averaged over 20 points per game and you know had incredible games against his former club. So his play was not too surprising considering his history. However, Ty, collectively, this first team was passing the ball 33 assists on the night, Ty. I love it. It's Then you also add on that DeRozan and Murray both had 11 assists each, yeah. which I believe is in a long time to have two Spurs players have double digit assists. So I think from the since from the 90s, if I re, recall mm-hmm. correctly. So but again, it was a great night for the Spurs in terms of getting each other open, finding the right 
crisis and making meaningful passes. I made some complaints about early on in the season that this team was just making, not making meaningful passes. They were just kind of passing the ball to pass the ball and they were not finding meaningful shots, meaningful openings. But that was, and we've kind of seen, I've kind of seen that that's kind of fixed itself over the past few games. And this game was the ultimate, like come together portion of this that shows that their passing has improved as a team. Mm -hmm. And you still see that each each team each player had assists all over the all over the place. Jakob had a handful too. It's that's what you want to see. You want to see a team get the ball moving. It shows up. It sh- We've seen that teams that know how to move the ball are going to be the ones that win. Look at look at the 2014 Spurs. Look at the yeah. look at the Warriors of the past few the past few years. They've all known how to pass and get each other open and make the team play great instead of individuals. Yeah, you look at the uh, team uh, stats from the win. The uh, Spurs shot 53% from the field and shot 45% from the three-point line. Uh, they out-rebounded the Blazers. Uh, can you believe that, guys? The, the Spurs actually out-rebounded the team this year. 48-34. to 34. Good to see that they're cleaning the boards, at least against the Blazers. And, uh, Ty, one more thing before I go to Joe quick, though. I, I look at this team and... It seems to me whenever the the young guys are having fits or just cannot get into get into it, we saw that versus the Blazers, where they were kind of reacting to some of the calls that were called against them. Pop went to the veterans, and you, we already talked about Rudy Gay, we talked about Elon May and Patty Mills. But do you think this is something that the team can't can sustain if they're going with a development phase? You think you would if it's a development idea, you would want them to fight through these moments where they're just not getting it if the point is development but i guess hip hop goes to the veterans i mean how do you balance that how do you balance letting the young guys get their lumps versus getting a win versus throwing out the veterans i think we're moving on that the season is just a development season this team is playing to win night in and night out this is a team that's actually being really competitive and then a top five of the west at the at the moment of this recording so and I know that development is still a key aspect, and you still see that most of these young guys are getting main are getting minutes. Dejounte Murray had thirty two minutes, Alonni twenty seven, Kelton twenty four. So they're still getting meaningful minutes and still doing stuff on there. And again, they might not be having a great scoring night, but they also are still doing a lot on the floor. Again, Dejounte Murray had eleven assists. That's nothing. I know he only scored nine points on nine shots, but he's still getting involved. He's still doing stuff out there and it's still a development phase. Is it a scoring type of development? Not really. Um, but that's where the old guys come in and they know how to score. It's still, I still think that the art guys can score whenever they need to. We've seen it. Keldon can go off. Lonnie can go off. Dejounte can go off. And I think that it's just going to be a night in night out process where one set of guys goes off and while the others don't and then vice versa the next night. It, I think this, the team has a lot of versatility they can still do whatever they want at this at this point in terms of do they want to focus on the young guys developing or do they want to utilize the old guys in terms of a game yeah. plan or something like that. I know it's a I know it's a handful, but again, this is a competitive team that's doing where they can to win, and I don't mind it. Yes, as of this recording, as I mentioned, they are sitting fifth in the West. Hopefully, it'll sustain that and climb higher. But again, this season is very very young. Joe, before we go to break. Uh, what is it about the third quarter and the Spurs? It, it seems to me that's usually the quarter where the Spurs kind of take their foot off the gas pedal, Joe. Uh, usually in third quarters with the Spurs, they just get sloppy. It just seems for whatever reason they come out in the third. Uh, their passing isn't as crisp. Their defense, they have a lot of lapses on the defensive front. And for some strange, odd reason, their offense all but comes to a stop. 
they they don't have that fluidity, that motion to the offense. Everybody just stands around and looks at each other. They're looking to see is Demar going to go ahead and just go and save us by going one on one and doing his ISO plays. And that's really not going to cut it at the end of the day. You got to set hard picks, screens, move, start hitting some jumpers, moving without the ball. And when the offense just gets stagnant, we see them either, you know, start relinquishing the lead or it's hard for them to try to come back from behind. While they make runs in the fourth, they can't have that third quarter lapse because it just makes things that much harder for them to try to come back from behind and win. I will say this this last third, I know they they struggled. They still shot 42% from deep. And but they were not from deep, just on from the field in the third. But they, you could see that they easily struggled from the outside. I think their saving grace this game around was putting the defensive hammer down on against Portland because yeah. Portland only scored thirty six percent in that third quarter. So, and I think that was going to be the saving grace for the Spurs. While they might come out cold and out of the half, I think that if they they can keep the defense that they put against Portland, I think they will be able to make up for those lack of scoring in the third quarter. Yeah, uh, heading into that Blazers game, uh, the Spurs were getting outscored in that third quarter, 26.9 points per quarter versus the opponents, 29.1. So that is the uh, weakest uh, quarter if you're going to break it down quarter by quarter for your Spurs. And how crucial is it for that Spurs in that third quarter? Well, prior to the Blazers game, they're 6-3 if they're leading after the third quarter. So, yeah, it's always key to look at that third period during Spurs games. All right, when we get back, we're going to continue our chat about the Spurs win over the Blazers and look at some individual performances. Who stood out for time? Who stood out for Joe? Who stood out for me? Or maybe somebody who didn't stand out. We're going to discuss that and more. But before we do that, there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports books experts. We are back, and I'm joined by Ty Yeager of At the Line Spurs Podcast, a contributor at the Spurs Zone, and Joe Garcia of Two Shots Podcast. Make sure to follow Joe on Twitter at Two Shots Podcast. Just spell it all out. And then Ty Yeager at the Ty Yeager, because there's only one Ty Yeager, and that is the Ty Yeager on Twitter. Ain't that right, Ty? I, I wish I was the only Ty Yeager. Someone else has the handle of Ty Yeager, so I had to go with the what? Ty Yeager. It's like nice. it's kind of like the Ohio State. There isn't Ohio State's the Ohio State, so it's the Ty Yeager. Ty has they a doppelganger. Eh, he's not official. I'm the only official one there is. There's a doppelganger out there of Ty, kind of like Bizarro Superman, Jeff. I know there I is. Know, a, yep. I know there was a Ty Yeager on some on some like college football team though. <laughs> <laughs> when are we gonna get the Two Shots podcast, Joe? I don't know until I get another. I get a doppelganger. Then I'll have to switch my name to the. <laughs> All right. Ty, are you just gonna be the Two Shots or the Joe Garcia? One of the two. All right, John. Guys, let's go and dive into this uh, next segment here. We're gonna be looking at some individual performances, whether it be against the Blazers or just overall at this point of the season. Uh, Ty, it's no secret. You know, when it comes to Jakob Pertl, you're the first one at the defense of him. Uh, look, we talked about this before in a past lockdown Spurs where you could have kind of understood where Spurs fans were coming at as far as criticism towards him. Um, he gets payday. You know, we talked about how much he was talking in the offseason about that payday and getting the role. But slowly but surely, he's starting to come around now. Before we recorded, you said, hey, Jeff, you know, I got to talk about Pertl. So go ahead. What did you like out of Pertl against Portland? So... Pertle did what he, what he needs to do. He fit his role perfectly. 
And while he had a quiet, he kind of had a quiet first half. He didn't really, re, I don't think he grabbed a single board, but he did have two of his blocks in that first half. So he was still playing defense and still doing what he needed to do out there. It was in the second half where he started going off. He started grabbing boards. He started setting his up, his teammates up and scoring wise as well. He would finish the game against Portland with 11 points, seven rebounds, six of them being offensive boards, which yeah. is kind of a, not an abnormality for Jakob, I would say. And score, of course, scored that 11 points off 71% shooting. But I think that the, we all know that he started off cold. In his first 10 games of the season, Jakob Pertl re average under a rebound, under a, not a rebound, a a block game. He'd only recorded three in the first 10 games and it was averaging only 4.3 points going into the OKC game and beyond. He's now had recorded 10 blocks average two and two point two and a half per game. And he's now averaging 7.5 points a game. And I think this is showing that he, someone, someone kicked him in the butt said, get, get your energy out yeah. there. And he's definitely doing it. And that's what you want to see from a guy. You if a guy starts cold, you want him to see him improve and get back into his groove. Well, he's the junkyard dog now. Gordon I love Pop. it. I love it. And, love then Pat, and then Patty Mills called him the big chopper. So on, <laughs> on Instagram, but Jakob Pearl, this is what this is what he's getting paid for. This is the role that he fits in so perfectly. And I would hope to see a lot more minutes from him. But, but for right now. Him coming off the bench and playing the way that he is, I love it. And then we're now seeing him closed out games like he, he did against the second Houston game and also close out in the main in an important run in the fourth quarter against Portland. So seeing him in his new in this role that he fits so well in bringing in energy, grabbing six offensive boards mm-hmm. and blocking shots like he normally does. That's the Yaka hurdle that we are paying and that we all love that we all love. We should love as fans. Again, yeah. I know he had a slow start, but you got to love a guy who can come back. Three blocks uh, versus the Blazers. So that's one of the higher block games that he's had this season. I think there was an error during the game. They had him listed for four. Looks like they took away a block from him. How but dare nevertheless, you. yeah. But nevertheless, uh, he matches a season high with three blocks against the Blazers. And Ty, he was a plus 20 for the Spurs when he was on the court. And again, if also, if you look at his, his, offensive, his offensive rating for that game, he was a 151. Yeah. The only yeah. other person higher than it was Rudy Gay. He was going off from deep. You just hope that uh, Pirtle can continue his play as this season moves on. Uh, Joe, yeah, your turn. You know, when you look at this game uh, versus the Blazers and the win, uh, who stood out for you? Again, I have to say it's going to have to be Patty Mills. I mean, Patty Mills has just been playing stellar since the beginning of the season. He played 23 minutes, 59 seconds. He was 8 of 11 from the field, shooting 72.7%, and from beyond the arc, Jeff, he was 5 of 7. He was good enough from 71 for 71.4% from beyond the arc. I mean, he's just, you can't say enough good things about Patty. He's just been able to consistently hit not only his jumper, but also he's been able to knock down that three ball for San Antonio, which has been helping us, you know. Um, you can't say enough good things about Patty. And honorable mention also has to go out to one Rudy Gay, the other savvy veteran on the team who's actually played, you know, decent enough for the Spurs and spurts here and there. And this last game against uh, Portland, he had 21 points in 23 minutes. So Pop is really depending on his vets out there, you know, with that second unit. Patty Mills made some history. He passed Mono Ginobili as far as three-pointers uh, off the bench, I believe. I think that's the stat. Um when it comes to uh, Mills, you know, you, you love what you see out of him. You know, he, he's the veteran. 
as you mentioned, Joe, he's providing that spark off the bench. He's not only doing that, he's, you know, steadying the ship. There are times where the Spurs look kind of out of sorts, kind of out of whack. He'll come in, he'll hit a three, he'll hit another three, pumping his fist up and down. I think the Spurs need that at times because you see them have their lulls during the game. Going back to Patty Mills, though, Joe, uh, real quick. Um, yeah, he's made the most three-pointers made off the bench in NBA history with one team passing Mono Ginobili with 933s made. So, but but Joe, but he's again, he wants to remind everybody that he's he's still a youngster, that he's not old like we're we're paying, paying him to be time. Well, he's oh, not he's not over the it. hill. You all act like Patty's like playing in a in a wheelchair already. He's he's still got some game in him. What do you think, Ty? He's still in his prime. And usually whenever you look at players, their prime is like in their late 20s to early 30s. He's clearly in his prime. And if if he didn't show that against whenever he was playing for Team Australia, I don't know what you were watching. But And I like that he's kind of an R guy that's coming off a mild slump that he had in the past four games before before Portland. He was only shooting 25% from deep, and he was just getting a major slump. But this is a guy that I'm going to be okay with slumps because he's done so much this season. Yeah, he really has. And, you know, after the game, uh, Patty Mills was uh, asked about, you know, passing Mono Ginobili in, um, in the NBA history book. He says, obviously, he had no idea about that. He says, that's the news to me. I think there's something there in understanding your role and trying to make the most of that opportunity. And then he goes on to say, guys, that if anybody set that standard, it was Mono Ginobili. And as a matter of fact, he looks up to Mono. He said that's been his role model since coming to San Antonio. And so, hey, good on you, Patty. Keep up the good work. Guys, for me... I'm going to take a little slight turn here and kind of, I guess, uh, raise an eyebrow here. Uh, Lonnie Walker, you know, one thing that we all know, and it's like beating a dead horse now, is that he's inconsistent. And he's recognized it. He's told me that he understands it, that that's his issue. He talked about it during that Minnesota uh, series they had recently out out in Minneapolis, that I was being inconsistent, he told the media. He goes, I saw it, and I got to get that. And then sure enough, he follows that up with a couple 20-point out, uh, outbursts recently. But then now he's kind of gone back to Lonnie Walker being inconsistent. Versus the Blazers, 28 minutes, 5 points, 2 for 7 shooting, 1 for 5 uh, from the 3-point line, uh, 2 turnovers, 2 assists, 5 rebounds. I see this inconsistency again with him. I, I'm at the point now where... I don't know what Lonnie I'm going to get game in and game out now. I just don't. Am I going to get Minnesota T-Wolves Lonnie or Portland Trailblazers Lonnie? But Ty, before we recorded, you said you have an answer to that. What is it? It's just he's had such an inconsistent role with this team. And it's it's been clear. He only, he went off against T-Wolves because DeMar wasn't there. And then it kind of jumpstarted. It kind of pushed him to a starting role, a primary ball handler scoring role. And that's the unfortunate part with where Lonnie is at this moment is just that he's around so many ball-dominant guys in LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, along with Keldon DeJounte, that he's just kind of the odd man out within that starting rotation. I've been saying this all season so far that I think he's better to come off the bench in terms of being a primary ball handler coming off the bench. Like he's, like a Lou Williams, even Manu Ginobili mm-hmm. t- role kind of guy. I think that's going to be the best for him because it would give him the primary touches. But just having a, such an inconsistent role and an inconsistent place within the offense, I think that's what's kind of showing you that lack of inconsistency because he he can't get a consistent role at this moment. But luckily, he's doing so much more on the floor as well. So, And he's kind of like DeJounte where if he isn't scoring, he's doing so much. Like Especially on defensive end against Portland, he was doing fantastic stuff. 
is not going to show up in the box score, but he was doing so much to really make it difficult for Damian Lillard. You know, Ty, I, I tend to wonder if the emergence of Keldon Johnson and now the emergence of Murray taking the next step in his development is kind of taken away from Lonnie. Because remember, Lonnie was going to be this, this the next. And it was him, you know, let him play, let him play. He could take over games. Well, now he's playing and you're still not seeing that. Well, whenever you, uh, so do you, do you, do you, do you think that, do you think Keldon and DeJounte and even to a certain degree, Derek White, their development is kind of impacting Lonnie? Because they seem to be moving along swimmingly. Lonnie's still, we talked about it, he's inconsistent. I would, I would say so, but also you've seen that whenever he is given the opportunities, again, with DeMar having to step, step away from the team for a little bit, he showed up and he showed off. So whenever you give him that opportunity, he does show up to whenever you need him. I think once you say that DeMar moves on to this offseason, I think you already have his replacement in Lonnie because Lonnie can step up. Uh, it's going to be difficult whenever you do already have so many different guys. Again, I think playing in a different, more consistent role will help him overall and help him with the consistency. But I, there's a reason that he's not been consistent as of this season at the moment. All right. Well, uh, we're going to continue our chat about the Spurs and Blazers uh, in the next segment. And we're going to get Joe's thoughts on what we said in this uh, middle portion of Locked On Spurs. But before we do that, rockauto.com was well, a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything. Joe, if you need tail lamps, they got it. Ty, if you need new carpet for your car, they got it. So whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com's catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, and you get to see all the prices that you prefer. So make sure to go to RockAuto.com right now, see all the car parts available, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, RockAuto.com. We are back, and I'm joined by Ty Yeager and Joe Garcia. Ty's with At The Line Spurs Podcast, as well as the Spurs Zone. And Joe is with Two Shots Podcast. Now, Joe, we didn't mean to leave you off in the last segment, Joe, so we're going to give you your chance now. So you heard what we had to say about Lonnie Walker. You, you heard what I had to say as far as him being consistent still, and then your Ty's defense to that. What are your thoughts? I think the Spurs just need to get him involved early. You know, give him a bigger role, get him involved early. Uh because he needs to get in rhythm, you know, and he does his best work, I think, when he's in the open court. Uh, and, you know, they're setting hard picks for him, hard screens again, you know, like Yaka Portal likes to do, kind of open that lane for him and just let him go and use his athleticism and his speed to his advantage. Uh, you think he gets uh, in trouble sometimes in that half court set because um, he kind of loses his place a little bit, you know, and he's not really good, I believe, on just, you know, playing up one on one ISO situations. I think he does better coming off a screen, coming off a pick. And they just need to learn to utilize him, I think, in the correct manner. You know, when they're when he's called upon to step up, he stepped up in the absence of one DeMar DeRozan, which shows that Lonnie Walker is very capable of taking on that role. However, when he's coming off the bench, you know, or, you know, even sometimes starting, you know, they just don't seem to really go at him. He's more of let me go ahead and just pick up my, my spot behind the arc and try to knock down a three here and there. And, and that's not really conducive to him being Lonnie Walker. He does his best work again in that open court, uh, just, you know, using that speed and athleticism. So the Spurs need to find ways to fully take advantage of that. Ty, 
was going to ask you uh, about that win over Portland. Do you think, does it give you hope that this team is in the right direction? You look at the win against Portland and where they just dropped the hammer on them in the fourth quarter. You saw how they did something similar to Houston. But then you see the games like Houston in that first uh, home-home series uh, where they just laid an egg. You see other losses that make you scratch your head. Where are you? Where do you stand right now at this point in the Spurs schedule? I am severely confident in this team. Mm -hmm. They had one of the more tougher schedules coming into the beginning of the season, and they they ended up with a positive record. Two two wins over their losses. That's not this is a also this is a different team that we've seen than we did last year. It's a whole different team. They got big wins against the Clippers, against the Lakers back to back. Yeah, they did have some losses against Utah that was not that pretty, or against the Pelicans team that was not as good. But they still had close games against the Lakers throughout the whole series. They got a good win over Memphis to start off and a good win over Toronto. And yeah, did they drop one against Minnesota without DeMar DeRozan? Yeah. Oh well. They dropped one against a Houston team that no one really had a, any scouting on, and then also was had a, kind of had a fire lit underneath them because of James Harden. Yeah. Oh well. But they won against an OKC team that's been positive this season so far. They got some significant wins, and then they just got a win over a Western Conference foe that they'll probably see in the playoffs that they get healthy again. So they've looked. Whenever they look good, they look good, and they've had a few issues, but there are issues that can be that can be solved, that can be fixed. Transition defense was the biggest issue at the beginning, and they've solved that. They fixed it. They're running back transition and having much better defensive defensive presence, and they're actually a top ten defense now. So they had some problems. They're improving on it, and they keep improving night in and night out. And that's what you would love to see from this team. And they're while they're still developing young guys, they're being hella competitive. Yeah, yeah we yeah. need to see it for the long term, but I'm feeling good about this team. And, and I can see them at least being a fringe playoff team or make it at least at least being in that play in tournament, no matter yeah. what. I'm right there with you, Ty. Before the season began, I had them winning upper 30s, high 30s. Um, and I think that's still doable. Are we still going to see a little boneheaded losses as the season moves on, especially if they do play the young guys as they're playing them right now? They're, you're going to see Vassell do something dumb or rookie mistakes and. Uh, you know, Keldon the same way, you know, we forget he's just a sophomore. This is his first full NBA season. Remember last year, he spent half his rookie season in Austin in the G League. So you're going to still see that. Joe, where they stand right now, what are your thoughts? Are you optimistic? Or are you still kind of a, a wait and hold pattern right now? No, I've already seen pretty much all I needed to see from this Spurs team. And I kind of called it since the beginning of the season. I said, I think this is going to be a season of growth. And I said, I'll be happy with the win or a loss as long as I see the effort there. And you're starting to see them put forth the effort a little bit more consistent now. And I think the effort will be there, you know, and they're going to look good against some of these better teams and they might lose some close games. But it's all part of the, the growth factor of this team getting the younger players ready to take that next leap, uh, you know, to go ahead and be more competitive in postseason. However, I know what this team is going to do. They're not going to play consistent ball every single night with that said i picked them to win anywhere between 32 to 35 games and i still stick with that i think they're going to be more competitive but they're still just not going to have enough to get over that hump i'm like i'm with ty and i'm with you i think they might be you know flirting with on the fringes of of being a playoff team they might make that you know they have to play to get in mentality you know being like the ninth or the tenth seed um 
So that's what I'm going to stick with. You know, I'm just being realistic at the end of the day. I'm just going to enjoy the growth and I'm just going to look and see how this team performs for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but they're getting there close, guys. They really are. I mean, I, you, the competitive, that's what we hear a lot, whether it be the veterans describing the young guys or the young guys describing the team. Competitive is, is the buzzword this season whenever they're asked about their play. And we saw that. We saw that versus the Blazers. We've been seeing that throughout the entire season to start. Uh, one more thing before we put a wrap on this episode of Lockdown Spurs to talk to Ty about this. Uh, Devin Vassell. It, it seems to me whenever the kid is out there, he's doing something positive. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean he's scoring 20-plus points. There's always There's always a feeling that when he gets on that court, he's going to make something happen in a positive way, Ty. It's... Devin Vassell has been a highlight of this team so far. Yeah, he hasn't been doing much scoring-wise, but he's out there what you need him for, defense. And you do not know how much of a relief it is to see great defense from this team after the past two seasons that we've seen from two select individuals. But to see someone that comes off the bench specifically for his defensive presence, you you love to see it. You don't have to love to see it. You do love to see it. Yeah, yeah, Devin Vassell. Every time he's on that court, I'm thinking, okay, he's gonna do a st- he's gonna get some defensive numbers up. If he isn't, he's gonna knock down a three, or he's gonna get some rebounds to play the passing lanes. Whenever he's out there, I feel comfortable, and that's great because I'm liking the fact that Pop is actually playing him. And I get it; they're depleted right now. Don't know Derek White and Eubanks is still out. They need bodies, so. But at the same time, even when White was there, at least for one game, you know, Vassell was going to get run still. And we knew that was going to happen. So kudos to Popovich. Uh, he's doing good job with the young guys this season. And guys, I got to ask you this before we wrap on this episode of Lockdown Spurs. Who's getting the Iceman Funko Pop? Oh, I'm going to get that. I know I definitely will. I don't know about Ty. Ty, I, I think I, you're going to get one, right? I haven't collected Funko Pops before, but I guess I should start now. Well, you could get this one. You don't have to collect all of them. I mean, have you seen it? Have you? I haven't seen it? it yet. I need to look at he's it. He's doing. The, he's doing the finger roll. Well, that just sounds awesome, then. And he's wearing a white Spurs ABA jersey. I think That's Ty wants. Better. I think Ty wants a Kawhi Leonard bomb, uh, Funko oh, Pop. No. <laughs> All right. Hey, by the way, let's stop there. Let's we're we're going too far with this now. By the way, Kawhi was the last Spur to ever get the honor of uh, being oh. a pop. He was the last Spur. And I, I, I don't, I think, Joe, help me out of here, though. I don't, I think it's just really now Iceman and Kawhi have been the only Spurs. I mean, there's never been even a, a Coyote bobblehead. And there are a line of mascots. There um, has not even been a Tim Duncan Funko nope. Pop. But you see, I, I think Timmy would probably say no, unless the NBA has his license right still. So, but I think he's way past that now. I would get he me would a Manu okay. Ginobili Funko Pop if they made one. I'd definitely jump on that. Ty, would you get yourself a, a Jacoperto Funko Pop? Duh, I would. I'll, I will say someone did call me out for being a Jacoperto stand account. And come on, guys, let's be honest. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm clearly a Drew Eubank stand account. <laughs> what is he coming back, Ty? I think Pop said maybe I, next week, sometime so, this week. So if if I'm looking at this right, the two weeks, the two week quarantine that they've had to be in should end at, going into this next week. And so hopefully they should be back with the team. I do know that they've been stuck in in LA for two weeks now, so I I'm guessing they are re- they are 
him, Becky Hammond, and whoever the third staffer are ready to come home. Yeah, I know. They, just imagine being sequestered 14 days in a room. I mean, I'm pretty sure they let them out to do what they got to do. But nevertheless, yeah, that's that's rough. Pop Pop got grumpy recently. Uh, he was just being real surly with the uh, media. And then he, he just told everybody why. And he said hey, he was confined to a room and then he, he just can't stand it. So, but hey, you know, safety first, Pop. You got to make sure you're safe from the COVID. And, uh, you know, everybody else has to make sure they're safe. Pop is just like, well. Pop is just like everyone else. We don't like being locked in our rooms, but we know that's the right thing to do. So we will <laughs> complain about it, but we know that we we're doing what we needs to be done. Hey, and you I, know what I don't mind there? being locked away in my studio. I have all the amenities of home in here, so I'm good. Well, never was as lucky like you, Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joe, you got all the nice toys in there. We don't. Yeah, I even have <laughs> well, my mini fridge. So. <laughs> hey, well, uh, speaking of um, you know the NBA and COVID, look, there's a lot going on with the NBA right now. You're probably seeing it from either from my Twitter account or just from NBA News that games are being closed left and right. Well, if you want to catch up on everything on the NBA, Eats Meets West in Locked On NBA Tuesdays. Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors, and David Ramel, host of Locked On Heat, tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day coast to coast. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's going to put a wrap on this episode of Locked On Spurs, gentlemen. Ty, take it away. Tell everybody what we can expect from you in the future. How can they follow you on social media as well? Well, you guys know it's the Ty Yeager. It's not Ty Yeager. It's the Ty Yeager. Go follow me there on Twitter for clips that I do occasionally for all my lovely takes that on Yaka Pirtle, on Drew Eubanks, and trying to trying to fight the Jante Murray haters. <laughs> but you guys can find that at the Ty Yeager, and you can find and find my stuff on the Spurs Zone whenever I do it. Whenever I'm not busy. Sorry, Jeff. That's all right. It's all right. I, I'm just I'm just <laughs> piling up your inbox right now. I'm just piling. Up. That's going to be for Ty when he's ready. That's going to be for Ty when he's ready. So and you owe Marquez, one of the, your, your uh, fellow writers, contributed to Spurs Zone. Oh, you almost beer. He he's filled in for you recently on one of your articles. Right, just, just give me his Venmo and I'll send it to him. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, Joe, take it away. How can fans interact with you? They want to interact with me. They just need to go to Two Shots Podcast, and it's spelled out not the number two, but T W O Two Shots Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Be happy to talk with you anything in the world of sports to Spurs basketball, and even our nerd discussions, which I enjoy so much on on social media, Jeff. Yeah, we do. We love them. We love them a lot. And yeah, it's a good break from just every day of talking about Spurs. So uh, enjoy that as well, Joe. And make sure to follow Joe and Ty right now. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. Go to the Spurs Zone News for San Antonio and Fox29SanAntonio.com. And Locked On Spurs, subscribe wherever you get your favorite pod- podcast. And we got a lot coming this week. I know it's kind of uh, up and down. Last week we had three, and then yesterday was a holiday. But nevertheless, we should be back on track. Expect more, whether game recaps, game reacts, special guests. And yeah, we're going to have the host, guys, get you ready for this. The host of Locked On Rockets is going to come on oh, later no. this week. Ooh, no. And uh, he's going to discuss oh, no. uh, the trade that happened, its impact on the division, and yeah, what he thinks about the Spurs. And I already did a teaser preview with him. And it would help, guys, if he's very complimentary to the Spurs right now. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure Rockets. he's a good guy, Jeff. I, sh- I really am. I'm just like, boo, because he's a Rockets guy. You know? Yeah, that's it. So, again, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. Make sure to look forward to that episode on Locked on Spurs. So for Ty Yeager, Joe Garcia, I am Jeff Garcia. We're going to put a lock on this episode of Locked on Spurs. <laughs>